Hello and welcome to the Startup CEO podcast where women connect on all levels. Nothing will be off limits in this space. This podcast is for the mumpreneurs, the women who want to create complete alignment between themselves and their business, the fierce females who are ready to ditch their nine to five and make their side hustle a thriving income, the soul sister who has the passion but is looking for the strategy. She is you and we are the CEO. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. I have a beautiful, phenomenal woman here today with me. Her name is Sigrid. Um, Sigrid, if you would just like to give a quick introduction to yourself, um, and just for everyone listening, we did actually have this scripted out. I had questions, um, but on my way over here, I've, I've totally flipped that, and intuitively, I've made the decision that we're just going to have a free flow conversation because um, I feel that Sigrid has a lot to offer, and I don't think scripted questions would do it justice. <laughs> so without further ado, secret. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Sigrid Tassius and I am a leadership and environment coach, an author, speaker, podcast host actually as <laughs> yeah. well, and what some people may call a modern medicine woman. So my biggest passion is to support mission-driven entrepreneurs, leaders, aspiring leaders to really tune into the deepest essence and the deepest truth within themselves and to bring themselves into deeper alignment and embodiment so that they can amplify the impact that they create in this world. Wow, that is so, oh, so powerful. Um, I, I'm... Let's start with you. You just mentioned there, um, I, what did you say there? Something about medicine. Mother yes, medicine. yes, yes. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? I find it very intriguing. <laughs> yes. Well, like, to be honest, this is something, a term that I use for yeah. people to know a little bit more about my spiritual practice and the depth of the work mm-hmm. I do. I got to say, this is some, it's a word or a term that I wouldn't use when I'm around medicine, medicine, medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about this with my shaman teacher so many times and I'm like, I don't feel like I should call myself a medicine woman. Like I'm not there yet. <laughs> but it's like something that is just um, a way to help people understand what I do. So for the past four plus years or five, four plus years, I've been diving really deep into ceremonies with plant medicine, with mm-hmm. various plant medicines and learning from indigenous elders, from different communities and um, different traditions around the world and just really learning so much about myself and about the way in which I want to live and how I want to be a stand for humanity or for the reality that I want for the world through these ceremonies and through this deep dive work. So when I say I'm a medicine woman, to me what that means is I am completely devoted to my work of understanding myself, of being in embodiment, of being in truth, of understanding what freedom means and how to be in alignment with that and really being a stand for the version of the world that I want. And I do so through different spiritual practices of different paths. 
Yeah, wow. I find it so um, intriguing and actually plant medicine is something that I've, you know, toyed with the idea in terms of doing. Um, and I mean, I know that there's kind of like this, like almost stigma around what it is. So, you know, you spoke about you, um, Indigenous elders and, and all the rest of that. What kind of would you say to people who have that stigma around kind of what plant medicine is? Because you've obviously experienced it. It's obviously, you know, taken you to possibly depths that you may not have mm -hmm. gone with um, so what is kind of your take on it? Because I know there's a huge divide. And even for me, I know before I became, became more aware of, um, you know, what can come from these ceremonies, I was like, no, it's just another form of a drug. Like, yeah. no way. Like, it's just <laughs> an excuse. Yeah. Um, so can you share with us a little bit? Because I feel like there are some people who are going to be listening to this podcast who are like, oh, it's just a drug. They don't mm. understand um doing it in a ceremony setting or, you know, um, using it with um, elders and things like that. Yes, definitely. So I totally get that and mm -hmm. I want to share quickly how I felt about it at the beginning because I had all of those yeah. thoughts <laughs> and I had so much resistance to it because um, I was sharing earlier today with someone actually that my mother's little sister, my auntie, she had some mental imbalances. I don't really love to say mental illnesses, mm. but mental imbalances for decades. So I never touched the drug. And mm. my idea was that if you did anything psychedelic, for example, you were putting yourself at risk of completely losing your mind, losing control and not coming back. Or I would think that some people were way too woo-woo and like in the clouds, grounded yeah. <laughs> on this earth. And I was like, none of these scenarios really work for me. Yeah. So I don't yeah. really want to go there. And when I first got um, recommended to do my first ayahuasca ceremony, I laughed at this person's face. I was like, there is no way I'm ever doing this. <laughs> Fast forward, I've sadly like over a hundred planets and ceremonies in the past few years. Wow. But I really thought of that as a drug and as something that could really just have an impact in your life that would be more of that um, line of losing yourself, losing control, losing sense of reality, losing your mind, whatever like that, right? What I have found is that there is a very different, um, it's very different to do a recreational drug in a recreational setting without any space holding, without any understanding of the spiritual world as well and what can happen energetically, um, traumas that can be activated or mm -hmm. memories that can be coming to the surface and things like that. And then plant medicine, which if it's done in the right setting, you will be working with someone that has for many years been training to understand the different journeys that people can go into, whether it is relieving memories that are tra traumatizing or um, bringing traumas to the surface on a somatic, more body level, or seeing something scary or going on, whatever. Those people have been training to understand how to hold a space and how to guide people, regardless of what comes up. So those are not drugs at all. You actually could not take them for fun, even if you want. <laughs> It is a word that requires courage. Sometimes yeah. it can be fun and beautiful, but most of the journeys are deeply introspective. They bring about so much awareness, so much healing. So it's easy to think about that and think they're just drugs. Yeah. I would be surprised if anyone that has ever been in a ceremony that's been properly held 
would say that that is a drug. Yeah. All of these medicines are medicines. They're mm. not drugs. They are tools that people have been using for thousands of years in certain cultures to help themselves to understand the reality of the world that we live in, to understand their themselves, to heal themselves. So it is really important for people that are considering it, doing it, like considering doing it, to find someone that knows what they're doing as well, to mm. find someone that you resonate with, to be sure that it's your time, that it feels right within your body, that you feel like it, it's time you're not just doing it because other people are doing it, and to find someone that you feel safe with I would usually suggest that you do it with someone that's been recommended to you by someone that has already had an experience with that person. Yeah, okay, rather yeah. than trying to find somebody on your own accord. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 okay, amazing. And, I mean, you haven't, um, you know, you've been, sorry, you, you have been, you are an embodiment, um, would you say coach or a leader? Um, what were you doing before this or kind of what put you on the path to become an embodiment um, leader? Mm-hmm. I have a pastor background in corporate back in Barcelona, where I'm from, and it was a blessing of going through a period of extreme anxiety mm. that got me into this journey of really looking at my life and the choices I had made and the things I was choosing for myself and really becoming more intentional with it. So I like to say it's living a life by design versus living a life by default. What a lot of people do is they end up living a life by default is whatever we learned in our surroundings, whatever our parents think that we should do, whatever, whatever. We just fall into all these different circumstances and scenarios that quote-unquote make sense, but they may not make sense to us. So through suffering from anxiety, I had to really dive deep within myself and be like, why am I experiencing anxiety? Why is all of this happening? And at the time, I found someone that I thought she was a psychologist. She happened to be a Buddhist psychologist and a coach. So she helped me. So what's a Buddhist psychologist? It's a whole, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it justice to explain it, but it's a yeah. whole different, um, it's psychologist, but there's a lot of Buddhist teachings into okay. that. And yeah, so yeah. it's a lot of mindfulness. She did a lot of breath work separate to that as well. So she was just like a really well-rounded coach, yeah. therapist, and she really helped me look at the life that I had created for myself and the things that didn't make sense, that I did no longer want to choose. And that's when I moved to Australia. Later on, I became a meditation and yoga teacher, yes, and I did beautiful. that for a while. And it was, at one point, I realized that I really wanted to make more long-lasting changes in people. So mm -hmm. I could only teach that much philosophy in a yoga class, mm -hmm. but it was more and more obvious to me that that's the part I love the most. If yeah. someone just spent the entire class in Shavasana, I did not care. I just <laughs> wanted them to hear the philosophy beads and the golden nuggets. So that started to happen. And that's when it became very obvious to me that I wanted to do coaching. Mm -hmm. At that time, that's when I met plant medicine as well. And I dedicated my life for a year and a half. I quit everything I had. And I only focused on my meditation and plumbers in practice. So I was going to ceremonies, meditating, being in my practice every single day. I just did that for five months initially. And then for the rest, um, the other year, year and something, I kept on going really deep into that journey. Wow. So when I finally started my business um, as a coach, I started doing self-love and self-confidence. And it just kept on 
progressing yeah. and taking its own shape. <laughs> yeah, so I can, I can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, and who is it predominantly that you work with now? Yes, so as I shared earlier, it's mission-driven entrepreneurs, leaders, and aspiring leaders. What that means is mission-driven entrepreneurs, I see that as someone that is really in their purpose or wanting to lead from their purpose. So someone that is in the entrepreneurship journey because they have a bigger mission within themselves. They have a service they want to offer, something that's in their heart that they want to support the world with, and that's what's driving them or what they want to connect with in order to be driven by it. Yeah, wow. That is so powerful. And can you do a little bit of a deep dive into the type of work that you do or kind of where you feel like the disconnect is um, in terms of aspiring leaders and what they're following or what they feel like they need to be following um, to be a leader? But where is like the disconnect where they then seek someone like yourself to start working with? Yeah. Well, it's a huge thing. I feel like our society is constantly encouraging us and leading us to look outside of ourselves, right? Mm. So we look outside of ourselves for attention, for validation, for recognition, for success, for advice, for all of the things. Mm. And I feel like so many entrepreneurs, and I work mainly with coaches, Yeah. so I feel like those people find themselves in positions where they have created a certain level of success and the business side of things are kind of working, yeah. but they then realize there is so much more that gets to happen in order for them to truly lead others, to scale their business, to scale their brand, to step into a whole other level within their leadership. Mm. They cannot longer do that or they can't reach that next level with brand strategy, marketing strategy, and a sales perfectly curated. Yes, Yes, absolutely. So that's when they find that they want to go deeper within themselves because we are the center point to all pieces of the puzzle within our lives, businesses, leadership. So if there's anything that you want to create or expand, even if it's in your business or leadership, it all comes down to how you are being. Mm. Right now in 2020, you can learn about almost anything on Google, YouTube. You can look at so many different yeah. free of teens from yeah. coaches and all of the things. And obviously, when it comes to the business aspect, I encourage everyone to work with business coaches. Yeah. In saying that, there is only that much or you will only get that far with the business aspect of it. That's completely important. And there was a point where I needed that support. But when we are wanting to take our business, our leadership, our persona, who we are to the next Mm. level, we must dive deep within ourselves. And that's when those coaches come to me to really bring themselves into deeper alignment, to see the places where they might be still not taking full self-responsibility for themselves, where they might be out of integrity, where they're not being their word, where they get to dive into deeper um, embodiment, really reclaiming all parts of themselves, getting to know themselves more. So it's a deep dive experience that we do so that you get to know you, not just the person you're on Instagram, Mm. the person you're to your clients or to your partner or just you outside of the persona that you are portraying outside in the world. Who are you? How do you deepen that connection within so that you can help others way more powerfully? Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, this is actually something that I spoke briefly on um, in another podcast episode about being the embodiment of what you teach, right? Yes. Because um, coaching is 
you know, pretty ungoverned. Um, there's not a whole lot of um, framework sometimes around the work that people do and, you know, you don't technically need a modality. Um, but I think that that is kind of becoming um, a little bit more undone. I think that it will become more regulated because I've, you know, seen things that have become apparent in terms of, you know, having your own bias if you're just basing things off just personal experience mm-hmm. um, when coaching. But what would you, like, what do you consider someone to be in, in terms of, like, a full embodiment of what they teach? Mm-hmm. I feel like one very important piece is embodiment is not perfection. Some people think that in order to really key piece. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Because some people think that in order to be able to be a strong, powerful leader, they have to be perfect. Yeah. And that in itself is a misalignment. Mm. That in Mm -hmm. itself is being hard on yourself. It's being out of um, self-love and self-acceptance, right? But embodiment is the commitment to constantly lean into Um, being in alignment with your values, being in alignment with your message, being in alignment with what's important to you. So in order to be in full embodiment as a leader, all it takes is for you to actually have so much honesty with yourself to be able to look deeply within and have that level of self-responsibility to bring yourself back on track whenever it's needed. So for instance, I teach embodiment. I work with so many coaches in deepening that embodiment and there are times where I fuck up. Yeah. There are yeah. times where, you know, I get super treated by my partner or yeah. I get listed in somewhere. And I I do go through that. But my ability to pivot mm. and come back into what feels most aligned for me with my values, with who I want to show up as, is what makes me be in that level of embodiment. So it's not about perfection. It's about having that commitment to really look at yourself. And this is something that a lot of people in the personal development industry I feel get to deepen in because there's a lot of surface style work. There's a lot of understanding your beliefs, your mindset, but just staying in that realm of the mind. Yeah. And yeah. there is the need for us to really drop into more somatic embodiment, really look at how we're showing up when nobody's watching. Yes. How we're showing up when nobody's giving us the praise, the recognition, when the money's not on the table, like how are we showing up? Yeah, wow. I can, so much of that lands with me and I feel like even for me within my business, that's what this year has been about for me, moving into, you know, more business style coaching. Absolutely what you said before, like the strategy will only take you so far and that's something that I have seen um, before something else needs to come into play that is far more internal and something that cannot be, you know, put on a PDF document and scripted and just, you know, it's not a one size fits all, right? Um, So I think that the work that you're doing in that regard is so important. Um, In terms of, you know, when you first started working with women around self-love and self-confidence, because I do see, um, and maybe it's just more of like the clients that I tend to attract or work with, I see a lot um, of women, you know, in looking for more self-love or self-confidence and just trying to start there. And so you obviously were working heavily with those women. What is kind of the thing that you see the most come through with those women and what they're actually desiring? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like at the core of everything, every single human being, we just want to be loved. Mm. We just want to feel safe. We want to feel like we belong and like we are accepted, right? Mm. But again, because we are taught to look outside of ourselves, that becomes a rather hard task Mm. because it's really hard to love ourselves 
when loving ourselves depends on whether others like us or not, others approve of us or not, others want to be in a relationship with us or not, others want to buy or hire our services or not. It becomes really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the times, even people that are really wanting to dive into self-love, without realizing they're still looking for that love outside of themselves. Mm. And they think, you know, self-love is about pampering practices, like you yeah. have a bath, <laughs> and you do your nails, yes. or you like, yeah. I don't know, you need to take naked pictures and put them on Instagram, and that's confidence. But there is such a way deeper level of confidence and self-love that only comes through that piece of embodiment, which is why I love this work so much, because it, has, it gets a lot easier to love ourselves when we have had a deep look at what are the things that we believe about ourselves, about what we're worthy of, what we're capable of, what we're safe to do or not, what are the different attachments that we have to other people thinking X, Y, and Z about us. When we've kind of brought all of these subconscious beliefs to the surface, we have the opportunity to choose intentionally what we want to believe in, what mm. we don't, right? Mm -hmm. Awareness creates choice. Yes, that so is one of my favorite, yeah, quotes. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, it's a, it's powerful. Yeah. I think it's not said enough, to be honest, but it is so it's so simple, but it is so powerful. Yes. So powerful. Yes, yeah. definitely. So when we look at that and we can see, okay, these are all the beliefs I have about myself or about others regarding myself that are getting in the way of me loving myself. Mm -hmm. Then we can start unpacking those and we can start choosing intentionally, what do I want to actually believe? How do I detach or let go of my attachment to having X person feel X way mm -hmm. towards me or about me, right? So it's only through that level of awareness and then through bringing ourselves into alignment because the more we see, for instance, with the confidence piece, a lot of people used to come to me, and it happens still with the entrepreneurs at work, I want more confidence. I want to get over imposter syndrome. I want to feel more confident in my business or in my leadership. Okay, let's have a look at your life. Awesome. There's all these different ways in which you're breaking your word. There's all these different ways in which you're saying one thing and doing another. How can you be confident within yourself if your subconscious mind has a huge ass file of yeah. proof that you are not trustworthy? Yeah, to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So if that's constantly happening, so people think, oh, to be confident, I have to, you know, work out more or feel good within my body or again, like get naked and like get comfortable in being like show myself as I am. Yeah. Awesome. That can take you only that far. Yeah. But if you're not looking within yourself and seeing what are some of the things that you get to take responsibility for in regards to why you are struggling to love yourself and to have confidence within yourself? So the more you can yeah. keep those beliefs apart and be like, oh, actually, do I believe this about myself? Is this true? Is this true? Is it true that this thing about myself is awful? Can I change the story around that? And then with the confidence piece, what are the things that I'm doing or all the ways in which I'm breaking my word to myself mm. that are making it really hard for me to trust myself and have, and yeah. have confidence in myself. Yeah. So it all comes down to, to this piece of knowing yourself first, because through that awareness, again, as I said, awareness creates choice. Yes, absolutely. Oh, God, I love that so much. And, you know, one thing that I know is that a lot of people 
listening to this podcast, um, you know, possibly are coaches or who have a business or who are starting one, and they're in that startup phase, right? Um, and so you said a key piece there, which I think is really important around, you know, when when you have services that you so deeply believe in and you have that intention of, like, I know what I'm capable of or maybe you've got an amazing results and then there's almost like this stagnant kind of place that you reach in business sometimes so it kind of ebbs and flows in and out where people aren't as interested or maybe you're not you know having as many clients as you would desire and you're not getting essentially that validation via the clients or via the income what would you say to that woman because I know for me even at the startup I was like I'm I know what I have to offer I just wish someone would take the chance on me um and I and it and because I didn't get that I was like oh you know, my confidence was shut down a little bit. I was like, well, do I know? Because no one else is trusting in me to do the work. And so I had to um, navigate through that myself. But what would you say to someone who's kind of in that phase of like, am I on the right track? Is this possible? Because, you know, essentially they may be seeking that outside validation, which looks like clients or, you know, money or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that woman? Yeah, great question. So there's two pieces in here. I love that you said nobody's taking a chance on me. First thing is, you have to be the first one to take a chance on you. Mm. That's how it starts, right? So for anyone listening to these, if you're still waiting for somebody else to take a chance on you, it's not going to start happening until you take the chance on you, right? And then moving to the piece of really, I guess it, it comes down to perseverance, definitely in the business aspect. Things won't work in your timeline. Yes. It won't work in the timeline that they're meant yes. to work to yeah. start with. Yeah. <laughs> but one piece that I think it's super, super important, and I work on this with my clients a lot, is recognizing and understanding and making peace with both the light and the shadow aspects, as I like to call mm-hmm. them, of why you want to do what you're doing, right? So what a lot of people do is they just focus on the novel, admirable, um, like, you know, praiseworthy aspects of why they want to do what they want to do. Yeah. I want to serve people. I want to make an impact. I'm a super good person, all of that stuff. And that's awesome. And I do think that we all have that deep desire to do that. In saying that, there's also these shadow aspects of ourselves that come from our wounded egos, which we all have. Them. Oh, yeah. That is about, <laughs> there is still a part of me that wants the that the girls that bullied me in school or the boyfriend that cheated on me or the parents that didn't approve of my career or whoever can see that I'm making it. There's a part of me that wants the validation, the approval, the confirmation that I'm good enough through clients, through money, through features, through whatever. So while we are, here's the thing, my friend Preston Smile says that what you don't own owns you. And I love that quote because truly, if you're not owning that part of your shadow, it owns you. Yeah. For as long as you're not aware of it, you can't work with it. Yeah. So if you're not working with it. I was going to say, in terms of owns you, can you give um, like a little analogy around that so that people can really understand? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So it's when you're not owning aspects of yourself, they're driving the they're in the driver's seat, yeah. right? So you might be sitting here being like, but why isn't this happening? Without realizing that there is something about you that energetically isn't aligned, right? Yes. So there is something about you that's focusing on the wrong things. For instance, if you're focused on getting the clients, getting the validation, getting all of that, and you're not aware of that, you keep on thinking that that's the thing you have to chase, 
right? Mm -hmm. So when that doesn't happen, you feel defeated. Yeah. When instead you're aware that that shadow is there, there's a part of me that wants just the money and just the clients and just to be seen and just to be praised and all of the things. But I know that that is not what I intentionally choose. And I'm choosing to focus on my purpose, my mission, the part of me that wants to serve, the part of me that wants to create an impact. That part of you is unstoppable. That part of you, there's nobody that can get in the way of you doing that because no matter how many clients say no to your offer, how many well, potential clients, how many people watch your stories, if they're like 30 instead of thousands, <laughs> it doesn't matter because you're so focused on the mission. So focused on what you are here to do and the why of what you are here creating that none of this really gets in the way, right? None of yeah. these wanting the validation, wanting the praise, wanting all of that. So when I'm talking about owning versus it owning you is in the moment you have the awareness and you get really clear on, okay, these are the parts of me that want validation, want approval, want this, want that, whatever. We can take care of that within our own selves. We can take care of that little girl, that little boy that wants to be seen. We can help that little girl feel seen. We can help that little boy feel heard. We can do that work within ourselves so that when we come to the office, when we come to the desk mm. and start working, that's not getting in the way. So yes. we're not making any of the quote-unquote failures or not success at the speed that, the speed that we would wish for. Yeah. We, don't mean, we don't make that mean anything about ourselves or what's possible, what we're capable of, what's going to happen in our business, but rather we stay focused on the mission. Yeah. So that work really helps because the more you focus on your why and the more you deal with the parts of you that are attached to how it needs to look like and the timeline, know, all yes. of that and the yeah. fear of not being enough and not making it, all of that, when you're dealing with that consciously in your own life, mm. then you can come to work and just focus on the mission. Yeah. That's and you know, great. I remember once many 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 years ago that I was in a training um, I'm not sure if it was with Tony Robbins or someone else but I was in some sort of coaching event and someone mentioned you know that they there are the people that will knock on three doors and say that's it this is not for me and then there are the people that succeed the people that you see at the top the people that you see making big things and those are the people that usually knocked 500 times and they just were not willing to take an offer and answer but that becomes really hard when there's a part of us that is attached to having the success happen in a certain way so that we can feel good enough. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to do that work within ourselves. Yeah, that is so powerful. And I'm, um, you spoke and just touched on briefly then about your why. And, you know, one probably the number one question that I receive within the work that I do is, like, how do I find my purpose? I don't even know what I like doing. You know, I've got a lot of mothers who follow me as well, and they're like, I don't, I don't know who I am outside being a mother. Or, you know, I don't want to go back to that job, but I have no idea what I want to do. To do how do I discover that what's something you know I take women through a process of discovering that and often it you know is through discovering who they are at core which is you know usually a lengthy process sometimes yes. it's not just a flick of a switch because <clears throat> 
I, I do feel that some people think that your purpose, quote unquote purpose, just comes to you one day. Mm -hmm. Like it just drops in, it lands on your lap, you've got all the pieces together. I can vouch for it, I'm sure you can vouch for that it evolves. And I know for me, my purpose at core is to empower women and then it comes out in so many different ways mm -hmm. through business coaching or through, you know, mindset or, you know, even having a daughter. I'm still empowering, you know, a woman to be, you know, so it comes out in so many different ways. But in terms of women finding their purpose and establishing that why, how how do you take women through that process? I mean, your clients may be a little bit more, um, you know, further along in their journey than this. Yeah. But to the woman who's kind of like, I don't know what I'm here for, surely it's more than the nine to five and, you know, to have two children and married and all the rest of it. But what would you say to the woman who's kind of at that place of, I know there's more, I just don't know what that is or what that looks like or who I am in wanting more or, you know, that purpose side of things. What would you say to her? I definitely agree with you that there's no, like, one way, like, simple, quick method, yeah. quick fix to that. And I feel like the first thing with this, and, of course, when I work with my clients, we go through this and I guide them yeah. through this process. But if I had to put it in a simple way, you have to unlearn all of the things that you've learned yeah. that aren't really you. So yeah. in order to find yourself, all it takes is for you to unlearn, every, like get rid of everything that you're not. Mm. Some people think that they have to find who they are. Who you are, it's always been there. Who you are has never left you. You've just learned so many things around why it's not safe to be who you are, why it's not profitable to do what you love, mm. why your needs don't matter, why you don't get to express what you want, why all of those things. So it's through the process of emptying yourself from all of these blockages that are getting in the way of you mm. tapping into who you are that you find who you are and what you're meant to do. So when people say, you know, I don't know who I am beyond being a mother, that's where you start. You have to find who are you as a woman, who are you as a human being, besides being a mother or a partner, a wife, whatever it is that you, the titles and the labels and the responsibilities that you've placed upon yourself or that you've taken on, who are you? Mm -hmm. And that's where we start because there is no quick method to this. You no. can't just... You know, some people think that you're going to answer a few questions and just, you know, and it works for some people. They can be like, oh, yeah, I really love doing this and this is it. Maybe that's your start point. Yeah. But it's, as you said, something that evolves. Yeah. And it starts with you making the space to be with yourself. Because if yes. you don't know what you like and what you enjoy and what you need and what makes you passionate, there's no way. Yeah, and this is something that um, I've seen, and I've seen, you know, crazy statistics around it, around people not even wanting to um, be in their own company, one, but listen to their own thoughts. Um, I think it was Jay Shetty spoke about it. Um, I wish I had the statistics, but he was talking about people would rather, uh, you know, electric shock themselves than have to sit with their with their own thoughts in their own mind, you know, in a still room for longer than like a minute or 30 minutes or something. They would rather opt for something else. Why do you think that that is? You know, like our thoughts, you know, I know for me, I've, I've definitely had some disempowering thoughts to say the least. I've had some um, scary ones also, you know, at different times in my life. But my mind has also created some of the most beautiful thoughts that, you know, and the most empowering thoughts that bring me so much joy and gratitude and love. So why do you think that 
we've become so conditioned to um, think that being in our own company is a bad thing or it's scary or it's dangerous. Well, like, where do you think that that is stemming from? That's a really deep question. And the first thing that comes to mind, I guess, is we have been fed so much stuff that is just not good for our well-being, right? Like, I see as, as if you have healthy soil, you will have, and you plant seeds, you will have beautiful, strong, amazing plants and flowers mm. growing, right? When you have poisoned soil, the plants are really going to struggle to come out, right? The society that we live in, it's pretty much poisoned soil. Mm. This is what happens, right? So all of the different things that we watch, the different things that we hear, the different things that we go through have an impression upon us majority of people and this has been true for me in the past as well of course as I, I lived in this society as well the majority of people spend way too much time watching things on screens um, that they don't have the capacity to process and pick apart right the for instance that's the first thing that came to mind tv the news things like mm -hmm. that we are being exposed to very big amount of information at a speed that we don't have time to kind of go, wait, do I believe in this? Do I not? Will this serve me? Will this not? Will this make me ha feel happier and healthier? Will this not? It's just going straight into the subconscious. We're just absorbing it like a sponge, right? So put that, there's horror movies, there's mm -hmm. news that tell you all of the bad things that are happening everywhere in the world. There's like in fear-inducing yeah. um, narratives as well yes. that we get fed. Um, so many different companies allocate so much money to make us feel like the way we look is not enough. We need to change everything about our physical appearance in order to feel good. We open Instagram and all we see is these women with like perfectly sculpted bodies and we think that we have to be like them. If not, personal development, all you see it's like billionaires and multi-millionaires yeah. telling you how you should do in order to... So it's this, this lack of connection within and filling our cup with so much poison in a way, mm. with so much crap that when we sit with our thoughts, the majority of them, we don't even recognize them. and We don't know where they come from, but they're like, you don't look good, you're not good enough, you don't have enough money, you're not this, like the thoughts, the quality of the thoughts is really poor. Mm. So I feel like that's why it's so scary for some people to tap within and to go through that process of unlearning. However, it is absolutely necessary that we do so. It is absolutely necessary that if you are someone listening to this and you know that you find yourself in positions where you also want to distract with your phone, with TV, with, you know, some people distract themselves with food, with pornography, with drugs, with alcohol, whatever it is for you. If you know that there is a part of you that doesn't want to be alone with yourself, the first step could be to start prioritizing and choosing intentionally what you consume. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Step one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, step one. Absolutely, yeah. I think that that is such a powerful piece because I completely agree in terms of um, the amount of content that we consume that we are not aware of of the impact that it does yeah. and how. You're absolutely right. The narrative is often the same that goes over and over and over again, and it is fear-induced. And you know, somebody unfortunately, or you know, quite a few people, profit from that. Yes. Um, another question: 
This is a bit of a big one, but you know, what, what do you make of this year? What have you made this year mean? Because there's no doubt it's been a big year and everyone's got their own interpretation of it. Some absolutely wonderful, some it's been the worst year, it's been, you know, it's almost like the world could have ended for, for some, right? Mm-hmm. So what have, what have you made this mean? Uh, what have you made this year mean? Um, and what have, like, what have been the big key takeaways for you? You know, we're six, no, two months, eight weeks out from the end mm-hmm. of the year. So what is, you know, the end of the year about one, but two, you know, what have you made the, the last 10 months mean? Um, you know, I don't think that for me, I couldn't have predicted that this year went this way. Um, Nobody. No, <laughs> but you know, what have you made it mean? What have you really taken from it? Mm, yeah, great question. I mean, in regards to what's happening, and um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, about what's happening. Um, but some of the key take- takeaways for me have been number one to. I feel like earlier this year I was really asked to remain humble and in the reminder that I don't know everything, mm-hmm. that even when something feels extremely certain to me and I feel within everything in my body, my intuition, everything's telling me like bullshit, I know, I know that I yet don't know, right? Yeah. When we first went into lockdown here, I had a very different view and idea of what was happening and who was to be blamed for it to my boyfriend. And it was really interesting to really see that I had to take a step back and be like, actually, I need to remember that no matter how much I think I know, I don't actually know. Yes. Doesn't matter how much sense things make to, to me. I have to remain in that I don't know what I don't know. Right, because no, as well, actually know. you know, our mind's always looking for evidence of what we exactly talk about, that we believe, and what we say is to be true. It's always going to find the evidence to support what we believe to be true. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. And in another level, it's taught me a lot about freedom, actually, interestingly enough. Mm. Um, my family lives in Spain and in the Dominican Republic, And it was a really interesting feeling to not know when I'll ever be able to see my parents again. Because right now, people in this country can't leave the country. They're saying that they want to do it until 2022, Mm. all of the different things, right? So with the travel restrictions, um, yeah, it's been interesting, like having my grandfather really sick back in Barcelona and my parents go through so many different things and not being able to go and see them and not knowing when I'll be able to see my family. And then I used to travel a lot for work. Like I would go overseas all the time for work and for holidays and for pleasure, all of the things. So it's just really taught me um, or given me an opportunity to see not just how resilient I am, but how much or how deeply I understood freedom. So really understanding that a lot of people see freedom as having financial freedom to buy however many dresses you want or to buy the car that you want, right? Or having uh, the freedom to travel around the world whenever you want. But actually, freedom is found within. So I went to really deep places where I was like, okay, if I'm not able to see my family for another five years, who knows? I like, (laughs) but really, I took myself there. I went there to these like really extreme places and I... I asked myself to find freedom in that. Can you be okay with not seeing the people that you love most for that long? Can you hold your values when all of these things are coming up? 
and you so really really wow. deepening my understanding yeah. of freedom yeah. yeah that is so powerful um and that that piece is just has just kind of dotted another question in my mind you know when things aren't going in your favor when you know your values are challenged um you know i know people including myself at times one thousand percent can opt um for possibly behaviors that are not in alignment with their highest self and we sometimes forget our values and I know for me this has been something that I've consciously been aware of like when I become triggered or um you know anxious or whatever where do I like am I still being um in in, uh, am I still living in integrity with my highest values Mm -hmm. um and I know for me there's been times where I haven't and I can feel it because all everything to me in internally is indicating you are so far out of alignment this feels terrible you you know I'm wishing I didn't say things I'm wishing I didn't do certain things um so you know what do you say um you know to someone who you know when that challenge comes up do you think that it's a practice continually to try to stay in alignment with your values even when there is challenge or separation or whatever you know circumstances it's going to vary yes for sure I feel like there's two pieces to this one is to be fiercely self-accountable to really have that boundary with oneself almost like a mother right for instance um, Buddhism says that there's I always forget, I don't know if it's 12 or 16 different types of compassion, right? So compassion, it's not passive. It's not just like, oh, I'll forgive you for whatever you do and it's all well. For instance, if you're about to cross the street uh, with your child and the the child's going to run on a red light and there's a car coming, the mom usually will grab the child and be really strong in her message. She's not like hey, baby, you shouldn't cross the street because you could get killed by a car. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it's like, don't ever do this yeah. again, yeah. right? And that's a form of compassion. Yes. So I feel like having that level of strength uh, in our boundaries with ourselves where we can really get clear of like, hey, this is not how we behave. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay, don't, but this is not how we behave. And then at the same time, having that level of compassion and awareness or forgiveness for ourselves, understanding that we're all just human. Yes. And we fuck up. <laughs> yes. We do our best, you know? The key piece. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people skip both pieces. Yes. So they're hard on themselves, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah. So I invite everyone to do forgive yourself for sure. It is what it is. Anyone in your situation would have done exactly the same. And there's nothing to be ashamed or feel guilty about. However, that's a clue. Something that you don't want to be doing, Mm. then be accountable to that. Like really be firm within yourself and set a boundary of like, hey, this is not okay. So I'm not going to behave like that. And that's what you can truly see when you see someone that is an embodiment, again, bringing back to that. You can feel being in their space, you can feel their presence. And it's because they've owned so much of themselves. They're not hiding and running away from themselves and behaving in different ways, but then kind of like brushing it off. Yeah. And they're really in ownership. Yeah. So that's that's very powerful okay. to, yeah. to forgive ourselves, but to also have that boundary. Yeah, beautiful. Because the next piece that I was going to ask is, you know, how do we practice that? And I think if 
the faster that we can kind of catch ourselves in the moment um, and the faster that we can forgive ourselves and, you know, awareness again, then we have choice, choose differently next time. So that's really beautiful. Um, This has been amazing. Is there, what's happening for you for the rest of the year? You know, we've got two months left, just under. What are your plans for the rest of the year of 2020? Yeah, well... Um, I have a couple of trips just around here organized that I'm really excited about. And then professionally, I'm going to be launching season two of my podcast, Save yes. Leaders. Yes. So Beautiful. I'm really excited. And I've been creating the most powerful, epic container I was just telling you about. Yes, yeah. Which is a six-month journey for women. It's an initiation into the deepest embodiment of womanhood. And it's... It's going to be epic. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling you, like, this is not a program. This is like a ceremony. Six-month ceremony. So I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm just putting, um, yeah, just inviting a couple of handpicked people um, into it. For now, we're doing it invite only. But Mm -hmm. in saying that, if anyone listening to this podcast is interested in knowing more about it, um, then definitely reach out to me. Yeah, definitely. And I'll put all your details in the show notes below as well. But where can people find you if they're just listening to this? Yes. So my podcast, Sacred Leaders, um, Facebook, Instagram, website, all of the things are Sigurd Tassius. This is one of those names that you probably get to. I'll pop it in the show notes. <laughs> you probably have to go to the show notes <laughs> to see it. But, yeah, you can find me there. And I gem most um, of the time on Instagram. Yes. So that's the best place to reach out to me. Beautiful. And is there anything that you want to leave, you know, the beautiful women and some men I've discovered lately um, mm-hmm. listening to this podcast? Is there anything that's, you know, a really key point that you want to leave them with? Yeah, well... Coming back to what we were talking earlier before we started this podcast, I feel like humanity is really going through a big shift and we need as many people as possible really being a stand for a brighter vision mm-hmm. because everything that's going on doesn't look so good and if we want a better world, we have to create it. So I'm really encouraging everyone to find the bravery and the courage within themselves to bring that level of radical self-responsibility, honesty, and embodiment to every piece of the life so that we can together co-create a better reality for the future generations of this world. Yeah, that is so beautiful and that is so powerful. Well, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. It was absolutely jam-packed. I learned so much out of it. This has been really interesting for me. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me.